Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for September 7. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. Divisions between groups of people is a feature of every age. These days, the divisions are being redefined, based especially on race and gender. In Luke chapter 15, we find two very different groups amongst Jesus' hearers, what we might call the sinners and the saints. In the eyes of contemporary Judaism, prostitutes and tax collectors were sinners, outcasts of respectable society. The religious elite, who viewed themselves as the shepherds of Israel, considered that they were the righteous, the saints. By dining with outsiders, Jesus implied that he treated them equally as men and women and welcomed them. Indeed, at the end of the previous chapter, Luke records Jesus' words about true discipleship. Let anyone with ears to hear, listen. It was the outsiders, rather than the religious elite, who heard. Luke chapter 15 verses 1 through 10 Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost." Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now in Luke chapter 15, three parables alert sinners to the reality of God's grace, while at the same time challenging the self-satisfied saints to repentance. In all great literature, there are purple passages. Luke chapter 15 Stand supreme. So the first parable of Luke chapter 15, The Lost Sheep. David Penman, one-time theologian and missionary in the Middle East and a former Anglican Archbishop in Australia, once pointed out to me that no one in the Middle East loses anything. Things are simply lost. One is never bad. They are simply not good. The outcasts in Jesus' audience would have listened intently because he spoke about the lost. In our city life, we often lose sight of the risks to the shepherd and the price he would have to pay to rescue the sheep. His action stands in stark contrast to the shepherds in Israel who were losing sheep and not bothering about rescuing and restoring them. All they did was sit on the sidelines, 
criticising anyone who committed to rescuing the lost. Does this sound like today? How many progressive church leaders are committed to going out and rescuing the lost with a clear statement of God's good news? Grace, freely and sacrificially offered, is the dominant theme of the parable. The sheep was lost and unable to find its way home. Showing grace or mercy, the shepherd was proactive in searching for it. The lost sheep could offer no assistance. Its restoration was a gift from beginning to end. With joy in his heart, the shepherd slung the sheep over his shoulder and carried it home. So great was his joy that he called in his neighbours to share in it. Jesus' comment in verse 7 provides the interpretive key for the parable. Just so, I tell you, he says, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus made a clear link between the lost sheep and sinners, men and women who are lost in terms of their relationship with God. For many, Christianity means rules and regulations set by a cold and aloof God whose only interest is impossible perfection and retributive justice. The tax collectors and sinners in Jesus' audience may have been tempted to think this way too, for their religious leaders taught and held out to them an impossible standard. They knew all too well that they were lost. This parable, with its focus on the extravagant goodness and grace of God, gave them the hope that God was sending His shepherd to rescue them. Furthermore, the parable is about the cost of the rescue. We are aware of the cost in rescuing people in the aftermath of a major disaster, be it a hurricane, an earthquake or tsunami. Here Jesus points to the cost of the rescue of humanity. The shepherd is not burdened by the weight of a lamb, but by the load of a full-grown sheep that he carries back through the wilderness. Luke wants us to become aware of the dark shadow of the cross looming over Jesus' life. There's also an implied repentance, the recognition of need in the sheep's acceptance of its rescue. Through the lens of this parable, we see the shape of God's good news. Jesus himself is the Good Shepherd, who has come to the rescue of fallen, lost humanity. Ironically, the outcasts, the irreligious, are aware of their state, but the religious aren't. A further parable develops this conundrum. Jesus' attack on the failure of the scribes and Pharisees continued with the opening line of his second parable, a woman and a lost coin. It may have been one of ten coins in her purse, or it may have been a coin on a string of coins. Significantly, it's the responsibility of the person who's lost the coin to find it. Unlike the Pharisees and their scribes who were indifferent to the lost, the woman started searching. The price of her search and recovery was high. She needed to get down on her hands and knees to go over every inch of her house, looking in every nook and cranny, 
Clearly the coin could not find or restore itself. Jesus' theme of rescue and restoration continued with the successful recovery of the coin. Men and women are likened here to lifeless coins, lost and almost hidden in the darkness of a chaotic, confused world. Rescue and restoration are entirely dependent on the initiative and action of an external actor, someone who is totally committed to finding them. The first parable presents Jesus as the Good Shepherd. This parable presents him as a good woman, a responsible householder, doing everything to take care of what is theirs. The unexpected theme of grace dominates. God himself is willing to do everything he needs to do to reach out and restore what is very precious to him. Again, there is joy. How ironic that those who are so critical of Jesus and of his obvious care and compassion for the lost would dare sit in judgment on him. Heaven itself rejoices over one sinner who repents. So let me pray. Almighty God, you are always more ready to hear than we are to pray and constantly give more than either we desire or deserve. Pour down on us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ. Your Son, our Lord. Amen. A prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all men and women, and banish from them the spirit that makes for war, so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one family and in obedience to your laws, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be amongst us, and remain with us always. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and April Marks, a member of Christchurch Presbyterian, San Francisco. The prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the opening and closing music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You may also like to listen to the hymn Magnificent, Marvellous, Matchless Love from Keith and Kristen Getty at the Getty Music website, www.gettymusic.com.